number one summer ice cream flavor that you have to have at least once? Ice cream flavor that I have to have? I have a distinct desire always, year-round, not just for summer, Yeah. to have black raspberry oh. uh, topping on my ice cream. Oh, that sounds I don't good. care if the ice cream has to be a particular flavor. In fact, I usually buy vanilla and put more energy on what the toppings are. That's that's good. I, th- I think that's a good a good the, motto. The black raspberry is just so good, yeah. and it's a little bit harder to come by. That's why I like it. It's the thrill of the well. The I hunt. I have a there's a farm where I can go to, and there are black raspberries. If I get there at the right time, yeah, I can pick them, and I usually pick enough for two or three servings of ice cream. <laughs> and then you pick up a half gallon on the way home. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the 23 Podcast. Michael here with Father Herb. I'm Father Herb. He's Michael. We are in the month of June, and summer ice cream season is upon us. Ice cream season starts for me about January 1st. <laughs> I, um, I've i kind of come to the conclusion at our house, it's way cheaper to just buy a little bit of ice cream from the store than to actually go out and get ice cream from like a... A Mr. Freeze type place because you just it's a lot more expensive but I do like being able to go out and getting some ice cream oh it's, it's kind of fun it's yeah. a fun I, I agree thing. I have always have ice cream in my freezer and then I what I do is I go through spurts yeah I'll eat some ice cream sitting on the patio like three four days in a row yeah and then I, it's almost like I forget that I have ice cream and then it might be a week or two before I oh I should have some ice cream I was just saying the other day my grandmother Always had, remember Schwann's, the Schwann's truck? Yeah, they're, yeah. They're still around, but she always had Schwann's ice cream in the house. That was always a treat. At, See, grandmothers are great. That's, they always have those. Yeah. And she always offered cookies to go along with the ice cream, which my mom always got mad at, but I always gladly took. Okay, so <laughs> all of this is about summer, and we are into summer. Transitioning into the We're summer season. We're transitioning in many ways. Our, our church is becoming more open I don't know if I even want to say post-COVID. Yeah. Because it's it's not post-COVID, but we are trying to say uh, some of the restrictions are being lifted. Yeah, I know people have had some questions about that. So do you want to go into maybe a couple of details about what they may experience when they come to Mass this week? Okay, first of all, opening is very hard. And not everybody's going to be happy with everything. So we're, we're just... It's, it's, <laughs> it's the basic, best of both worlds. Yeah, we're, we're basically working our way through a maze. We want people to feel welcome and comfortable and safe, but at the same time, knowing that we no longer have some of the restrictions and some of the ones that are lifted are these. We will be allowed to have processions in church. So there will be the lectures will walk up with the priest at the beginning. We will have an offertory procession. The basket is going to be passed. I remember 15 months ago, right away, somebody said, well, we can't pass the basket anymore because uh, people will be handling the same basket. We'll be picking up viri, viruses. (laughs) It's a good thing Uh, you're a priest. Yeah, from from one another. So that seems not to be the issue. So that kind of thing is going on. May I add, I think that is a significant addition, the offertory procession. The fact that now the bread and wine, the gifts will be brought to the altar. Actually, it's very important in Catholic liturgy. It's not just about taking up the collection or that you get more money when you pass the basket than having it out there. I don't know if you do. I honestly don't know. (laughs) But I think what's happens is liturgically, we are placing 
metaphorically speaking, we're placing ourselves in the basket. And so our, our hopes and dreams and fears and all of our concerns of the week go up as part of the offertory procession and placed at the altar. Yeah. It's such, it's such an incredible moment of the mass that I think so many people miss. Yeah. And Um, it's really called preparation of the altar. It's what you bring, the gifts you bring. Right. As well as the bread and wine. So that's going to be taking place. And we'll be adding an offertory song back in during that time. Now I had several people ask me last week, are we allowed to sing again? And so (laughs) I I think what I told them is I said, have you noticed that Michael is not telling you not to sing. I, so, I did stop saying it. I've had quite a few people ask me why. Why you've said uh, stopped? Or why I st- they, they said, well, what does that mean? It, they feel like it, it just kind of left them hanging. There was, there was no definitive ending to it. Okay. And I said, exactly. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> and then uh, the, the biggest thing, the biggest two things, one is the thing about masks. Yeah. The sign on the door that says, please wear a mask, is being removed that does not mean people cannot wear a mask if they choose to. And the other day I had a, a couple in my office, engaged couple, and I asked them point blank if, uh, if they've been both, uh, vaccinated. And they both said uh, fully vaccinated. I said, I'm drinking a cup of coffee, so I'm going to remove my mask. Uh, you're welcome to as well. And they said, well, thank you. And they both chose to keep the mask on, oh. which is okay. Sure. So I think we have to respect people. And I know from <clears throat> some parents are concerned uh, especially if they have kids who have not been vaccinated, not had the privilege of being vaccinated, Correct. that they're still protective there. So we, we want to, it's going to be, I don't want to say messy. It's going to be inconsistent. Anybody who thinks we go from, uh, from black to white or from zero to 60 in one fell swoop, no, it's not going to happen. Right. There will be a transition time. Church will allow people to sit in every pew in some sections of the church and every other pew in some other sections so you can still keep a social distance. Right now we're planning the, the there are 10 sections of pews in our church. Mm-hmm. So the two on the left, starting at the statue of Pope John the 23rd and the one next to it, and the two on the right, the statue of the Holy Family and the one next to it, will still be uh, marked every other pew. Yep. The chapel will also be every other pew if people want to have a little space there. The main front center sections will be open for everybody. Now, we may have to ch- change that. If it turns out more people want limit, uh, limited uh, distance uh, or want to have more distance, we might end up uh, switching it around a little bit. So it's, we're going to be adapting as we go. Sure, and we just ask for for patience and for people to... Patience and kindness and gentleness right. and non-judgmental. One thing that we will do, too, is we're going to still ask Eucharistic ministers to wear masks while distributing communion. Uh, just yes, and I think we're doing that. We're doing that for those who come up who feel uh, that they want something a little bit. They don't want somebody else right in their face. Correct. So we're doing it again. It's always about respecting the other person. Because at the end of the day, we want people to come to Mass, right? So... We're trying to create an environment where... But we're also... Yeah, yeah, we're trying to create a safe environment, but we're also trying to create a, a model of how society could be uh, functioning where we respect each other. Yeah, It's not just like, oh, good, I can do what I want. Sure. And that's not what we're trying to be. So, yes, yeah, so you'll see some of these changes uh, here in uh, this weekend. You can, you can also go back to bulletins from previous weekends that kind of lays everything out 
in a more detailed manner if you'd like to see that. Uh, the bulletin from Memorial Day weekend would have all of that information in it. Hey, speaking of transitioning, there's something else that I would like to share on the podcast today that has been in the bulletin and I know I've been talking to a lot of people about, but I haven't had a chance uh, to talk about it. And now that we're in June, uh, I have transitioned to a part-time position here at the parish, mostly because Father Herb was sick of me. Uh, but I also, <laughs> he doesn't Now, know. should I disavow that? <laughs> no, actually, your silence is speaking volumes right now. No, uh, no, this was long in coming and discussion. Yes, we've been, we've been talking for several months. And I, I don't want to take up m- most of our podcast today talking about this, but I'll just say um, my wife and I have had the privilege of starting a new business in our little hometown of Waterville for art and music lessons. And we're really excited about sharing that in the community. And as a result of that, I will be stepping away from my full-time work here Monday to Friday but you'll still find me at the piano on the weekends and playing weddings and funerals. So I'll still be the music director for the parish. Um, and of course, we'll still be doing the 23 podcast. That goes without saying. And people asked. and we, we Actually, will that was one of the comments I made. I was describing this to uh, one of our consultative bodies, and I said, it's probably the right move for Michael and his family. And the first thing, and I said, for a lot of people, they won't even see the difference or hear the difference because Michael's going to be here for, for the music. Yeah. But I said, uh, it's going to make a big difference in our day-to-day operations. Cause Michael does do a few other things during the week. Like I go out to lunch. Yeah. Well I, that too. You know. <laughs> but anyway, but the very first question was, well, are you still going to do the podcast? It, so it was, I, Obviously, the person who asked that was one of the seven people who yeah, listened. Yeah, I mean, for you guys, we will continue our, our podcast. But what I do want to say, though, and I, I mean this genuinely, the um, the love and support that we've received from from making this decision has been overwhelming from the parish. So I just, I'm thankful for that, and uh, we're not we're not going anywhere. We're going to be here for And I want to ask you if, you if you know how to spell entrepreneur. E-N-T-R-E. That's close enough. Okay. Oh, <laughs> I was going to try to do All it. right. Uh, and you know what? It's going to, we'll continue to celebrate Mass Sundays. And yes, we have, we have more weddings and funerals than people perhaps realize. So, you, you know, we'll, we'll be seeing a lot of each other and still talking to each other and sure. te- texting and. Randomly uh, showing up at each other's houses unannounced. Yes, that too. Yeah. <laughs> Although that's, you don't come to my house anymore. No, you know, didn't invite me over, right? But I guess that's the whole point. Yeah, that's. I'll come over for vanilla ice cream with black raspberry topping. If I can find a black raspberries, I will let you know. All right, we'll be there. Okay, let's talk about the feast of the body and blood of Christ. Traditionally, it was just called the feast of Corpus Christi, which is the body of Christ. Sure. But now it's the body and blood of Christ. You know what's funny is I, anytime I hear this feast day, I I I immediately picture the church building on Door Street for Corpus Christi Parish in, in the diocese, just because it's such a a unique... The Corpus Christi Parish at the University of Toledo. Yeah, I just, I I associate the words Corpus Christi with the architecture of that building and, and the unique style that it brings. It's really, a, it's a pretty neat place. It is, it's beautiful. And they, you know, it was so long in coming. The parish was established way before the... the the property was purchased yeah. or the, the building was built. Yeah. They're doing some great things. Over, I, uh, Father Jeremy is the pastor over there. Yeah. And I've, I've heard they've been doing some great campus ministry this year. So 
good good for them and now we have we get to we get to pray for them and uh everyone this weekend as we celebrate the body and blood of christ okay let's talk about the gospel we finally get back to the gospel of Mark. Here it is. That, um, chapter 14. Now, I think it's my turn to read. Sure. I'm going to let you read the first part, and I get to pick up uh, while they're eating. So I get the, the part where the actual the institution of the uh, okay. Eucharist. Okay, I see it. So for those of you following along, it's Mark chapter 14, starting at verse 12. On the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, when they sacrificed the Passover lamb, Jesus' disciples said to him, Where do you want us to go and prepare for you to eat the Passover? He sent two of his disciples and said to them, Go into a city, and a man will meet you, carrying a jar of water. Follow him. Wherever he enters, say to the master of the house, The teacher says, Where is my guest room, where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? Then he will show you a large upper room furnished and ready. Make the preparations for us there. The disciples then went off, entered the city, and found it just as he had told them, and they prepared the Passover. While they were eating, he took bread, said the blessing, broke it, and gave it to them, saying, and said, Take it, this is my body. Then he took a a cup gave thanks, and gave it to them, and they all drank from it. He said to them, This is my blood of the covenant, which will be shed for many. Amen, I say to you, I shall not drink again the fruit of the vine until the day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. Then after singing a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. The Gospel of the Lord. Don't you want to know what hymn they sang? Uh, Holy God, we praise that name. <laughs> no, I, I don't think that one existed quite no. yet. Uh, well, you know, the, the, there were hymns aside from the Psalms. Okay. Because they often refer to it. They said they sang Psalms and holy hymns. So there must be some other phrases that were, had been kind of concocted over the years. Maybe people put the words together. I bet if we did a little research, we could come across some of the texts and or melodies. But if you also read the actual, even to this day, the the Passover formula, mm-hmm. there are songs or psalms and songs included in that. Like in the Seder meal? Yeah, the yeah. Seder meal. Yeah. But I love this last line. They went out to the Mount of Olives. And what happened in the Mount of Olives? They had martinis. No. no. Not quite. <laughs> no. Sorry. Gee, when I'm trying to be serious. Oh, go, go Okay, I go have ahead. to give you a signal. Now, this is serious. This is serious, okay. That's when they were arrested. Oh, right. Uh, Jesus was arrested. So it goes right into the crucifixion, sure. the trial and the crucifixion. So Jesus says with the cup, this is the cup, the blood of the covenant, which will be shed for many. So it's not just, oh, this is the cup. This is the cup that's going to be sh- of blood that will be shed. So it it's already saying the body and blood are not passive. They're not just, okay, I'm receiving Jesus. It's rather I'm receiving the body of Jesus that is given up. Yeah. I, the blood that is being poured out. It, it's the Last Supper and Good Friday, Holy Thursday and Good Friday are connected. Mm. It's not one or the other. Right. It flows 
and no pun intended, but it flows from one to the other. Well, and you feel that in the liturgy from Thursday into Friday. Yeah. You know, it's a, it's a continuation. And that's why a Holy Thursday really, in a sense, the mass doesn't end. You know, we, we, we have the, usually the procession to the, the altar of repose, yeah. but it's just sort of like, stay with me, wait with me and pray with me. But then you just sort of like quietly take your leave and come back right again, again the next day. Yeah. And then Friday starts in that, yeah. that solemn, silent procession. Yeah. Just in the last, well, it was already last month in May, we had first communion uh, celebrations. We had three of them here and they were great three separate celebrations for the children. Yeah. But the more often I have first communion celebrations, the more I realize not only for the children, but even for the adults, we don't get it. It's not just receiving Jesus in communion, which is a big deal. Right. You're not downplaying that. I'm not downplaying it. I'm saying, but there's more to it. We are entering into the experience that Jesus entered into. And that's why Corpus Christi or the body and blood of Christ, uh, with this particular reading, it's not just saying, okay, Jesus gave us his body and blood. It's also saying Jesus, by giving us his body and blood, is giving us himself and he's sacrificing for himself for us. He's allowing us to enter into that whole experience. We are becoming one with Jesus. On Holy Thursday of this year, I use the word corpus. You know, the corpus is the body of Christ, corpus Christi, the body of Christ. And I use the word incorporated. And if a company is incorporated, they basically make themselves into a body. Oh, yeah. So, but the real sense is we are brought into the body. So when we receive communion, we are brought into the body of Jesus. So it's not just Jesus comes into us, but we become, we enter into the body and blood of Jesus. So we are the ones being drawn into, I love to say this, we get to participate in our own redemption. Every time we go to mass. Yeah, we yeah. are. We're not literally hanging on the cross, but it's our story too. Yeah. Again, just like we talked about last week with the, the whole notion of Holy Trinity you know, we can't, we don't dare talk about it as a great mystery out there in the sky, but it's intimately involved with our own life. And that's what we have to say about uh, body and blood of Christ, intimately involved. And probably there isn't anything more intimate, intimate than what we receive becoming part of us. A couple of weeks ago uh, in my Facebook memories, I was uh, back in 2017, I was working on the script for the groundbreaking and blessing of our campus expansion project. So that was back on the Feast of Pentecost 2017. Which, which was, if I, if I recall, it was like the beginning of June that year, wasn't it? Yes, it was. Uh, but what I, what I had written, um, and I was kind of reflecting on my words from four years ago, uh, was about, you know, here we are consecrating ground or blessing ground that will hold sacred events for generations to come. So weddings and funerals, first communions and all of those things. And, and what I had said at the end of it was, I can't wait for my own children to receive the Eucharist for the first time in this church. And then fast forward to this, this year, year and Audrey receiving first communion. What was that like for you? 
I mean, besides being uh, excited to be able to be present for the moment, but I mean, really, what did it do to you personally, spiritually as a dad? I think it was a reminder that when it comes to matters of faith, we have to take it seriously and, and model it to our children. If, if we're lackadaisical about it, it's easy for them to become lackadaisical about it. Uh, if we don't make it a priority in our household, which obviously in our house is a little bit different since I'm here for each mass. Um, I don't know if, if she would understand the importance though, even that every mat, every weekend we go to mass because that's an important thing for us to do. Um, to be completely honest with you, I think in my mind, I built up that moment of here she is receiving the Eucharist for the first time. And I think that kind of goes back to what you were saying either. Like we don't want to downplay the receiving of the Eucharist because that, that is profound. But in, in our human minds, I think we can only emphasize the physical tactile things, right? So here I go up to receive and then I go back to my pew. Honestly, in that moment for me, I was present, but I was also <laughs> aware of the fact that I needed to get back to the, the piano to start the, the song. And I have to tell you, I never had a chance to tell you. you. You and Parker and the other musicians did it seamlessly. Oh, good. Of course, I knew that you were with your, your family yeah. when Audrey received communion, and the music began instrumentally. Mm-hmm. And then pretty soon I heard the key, and I wasn't looking, but I heard I heard the keyboard. Yeah. So I knew that I made you, it. You made it back to the piano bench. Yeah, we had we had talked about how we were going to do it. it. It was important for me to be present and and there with her. But you know, every time I hear this gospel and I read these words, I think of that song that we sing, "The Upper Room," which we will of course be singing this weekend. Well, that's wonderful. I like that song. I do too. All right, friends. Uh, Happy June. We are always, uh, always happy to be with you, and uh, we will see you next time on the 23 Podcast. Hey, God bless. Take care.